So one of the things I do with students is I drew, draw this big rectangle on the board. And I say, okay, who's not sleeping enough? Every hand goes up, right? Because that's the easy thing. It's easy just to sacrifice sleep. It's just hurting you in every way. So I draw up, okay, 49 hours of sleep, or if it's eight hours a night, it's 56. That still gives you 112 hours. What else? Class, work, eating, gym, meditating. Like put it all up there. There's always time left for almost everybody. So the first thing I do is I say, okay, for this next week, go and measure where you spend your time because Netflix and Instagram expand to fill the time that we don't schedule. Hello, listeners, and welcome along to the Mind to Lead podcast, the podcast where leaders are made. Whether you're a CEO, manager, teacher, or parent, I believe everybody can be a leader. My mission is to help my listeners understand the skills, traits, and mindset of what it takes to become an exceptional leader. I'm your host, Georgie Hubbard business owner, career, and mindset coach. So if you're ready to discover the mindset it takes to lead, then this is the podcast for you. So welcome to another episode of The Mind to Lead. And today I am super excited and extremely grateful because I am sat down with an amazing human being, Josh Farr. Josh, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Good. Giving up your Sunday, on, you know, you should be out exploring the Gold Coast and instead you're sat here. <laughs> I always say to students when they come to workshops, I say, you haven't given up this time, you've invested this time. Cool. So I'm investing and very pleased to invest some time with you guys. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, on that, let's let's dive in. So can you give the audience and our listeners a little bit of an introduction to who you are and what's brought you to this point in your life right now? Sure, sure thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, again, thank you for having me. Very much appreciate it. Very grateful to be here. I think you nailed it at the start with the gratitude bit. When I was younger, I thought happiness came before gratitude. It's like, I'll be grateful once... I'm a billionaire and life is made and I've made it and I'm on magazines. That billionaire song, whoever sung that, came out when I was in college. Like, I want to be a billionaire. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Craziness, right? So I had it exactly backwards. And this is something that I've discovered a lot of. And Jung talked about it 100 years ago or whatever, saying that like the paradox is the closest thing to summing up like true human experience. And what I realized was there was so much to be grateful for right now. And life was about helping other people not trying to figure out what I could extract from life to help me. So I went to uni, super fortunate to get in, trained as an engineer, graduated, realized very quickly engineering was not for me. I wanted to talk about how people's day was and what they did with their family and what they were going through. Uh, And on a construction site, people were wearing like literal physical armor, like hard hats and hard like steel capped boots, let alone all the emotional stuff. So when things went a bit pear shaped in that that job uh, outside of our control, Uh, a facilitator came in, which was amazing. Didn't know you could be a facilitator for a career. Uh, They talked about mental health. I loved it. I resonated with it. And a few years down the line, a couple of career changes later, I thought, huh, this is something that working with people to figure out how to take off that armor and how to have more successful relationships, be better at work, the crossover to the personal life. That became my obsession. So I started reading the books. I heard a shared love of ours, Tony Robbins say when he started, he read 700 books in seven years. So I was like, radio, 100 books a year, two a week, I can do that. Um, started reading, started coming up with ideas and then found a gap in the university market, particularly working with um, not necessarily always young, but traditionally sort of 18 to 25 year old students in their first leadership roles, often as volunteers, um, to help them use some of the skills and tools and techniques that I was learning from all these books 
and had used in my career that no one ever taught me and I didn't have the self-awareness to seek it out. So I came in and said, hey, you're struggling with these things. Here's some solutions. Tried to make them fun and engaging. And now that's what I do. I travel around mainly Australia at the moment, working with 26 different universities and running student leadership programs uh, for colleges, for clubs, for mentoring programs. And yeah, I absolutely love it. It's incredibly grateful mm-hmm. to do that work. Yeah. And I was on your LinkedIn profile before this and I was, I mean, absolutely, wow, what you've achieved in such a short amount of time. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is this is on your LinkedIn. So in 2018, is that, that when you started the business? Late 2017, but took mm-hmm. eight months to actually materialize okay. it in the world. All right, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. Sure. Um, but 2018, you ran 35 events. 2019, you ran 135 events. And now 2020, you already have 90 plus events. But how many do you have now? Yeah, a little bit more. We had yeah. a, a massive booking come in last week for more than 30 in one hit. So. Wow. Even for context, mm-hmm. the idea of getting an email mm-hmm. that's as much as a year's worth of initial work. Wow. It's funny how things how things change. Yeah. And yeah. what doesn't change and yeah. stays consistent. Yeah. But I don't see I don't believe in coincidences. And I believe that there are things that you would have done in that time frame to to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So how how do you grow well first of all a coaching and event business so much competition right so you straight away identified your niche and something that you were really passionate about and something that you saw a massive gap in the market which I would totally agree I think um, being in recruitment myself dealing with a lot of younger people who step up into leadership roles they're never taught the skills Mm -hmm. you know they're, they're they're promoted because they're very good at what they do but they don't know how to lead so how do you go about going from just starting this business in the first place and growing it at such a rapid pace. Sure. What do you do? <laughs> so I like your comment about not believing in coincidences too. I, I'm undecided on that and I think there's a huge space for sort of serendipity and luck or grace or whatever you want to call it because that was a massive thing for me even reading the books. Like I met a guy in a hostel in Mexico and like there's a whole story behind that. Um, but for me, I think starting, starting the business, I believe leadership is service fundamentally i believe it is you're a leader if you help another person and which i think is in, is empowering and sort of demystifies it so if you're listening to this right now um of all of the spiritual gurus in the world this quote comes from russell brand as in comedian recovering drug addict okay. all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. amazing though yeah. right yeah. he has this quote that is that he says about himself he says if i'm having a bad day i say russell have you done anything today to help anyone except yourself Wow. And his reflection on that is almost always the answer is no. Mm. Suffering comes from focusing on ourselves. Mm. So when I say leadership is service, I think not only is it in your best interest to help others, because people tend to look kindly upon those who help them. Mm. And like if you're listening, think about the people who you like to spend time with. Last mm. week, your favorite moment, mm. who did you spend time with? Odds are they didn't make you feel like Odds are they helped you in some way, whether that's they make you feel good, they entertain you, have fun with them, you love them, you connect with them, they challenge you, all those sorts of things. But in some way, they add value to your life or you wouldn't hang around them. And so for me, I believe that if you want to start a business, it starts first with finding a real person with a real problem. And once you find a real person with a real problem, you're looking for the, like the SVA, the smallest viable audience, who is a group of people who all have that shared kind of problem or challenge. And you can go for an ambition, but we know people respond, um, have a higher response to pain than pleasure. So if you find someone with a real problem, something that's causing them pain or anxiety or fear or doubt or worry or concern, then 
the first thing I was looking for was problem solution fit. Can I solve that problem? And for me, when I looked at a group, I scratched my own itch, went to a group I knew. And in university, I had something like 10 volunteering roles. Like I thought you went to, this is how I thought it worked. Go to uni, get good grades, get a job. Yeah. In 2027% of employers say grades are assessed and very important. Mm. Seven. Mm. So went to uni, I thought it was get in, get a job. Like get good grades, get the scholarships. Yeah. You know, I did the whole thing. Mm. And 10 volunteering roles later, I realized all the skills people want are not just your grades. Correct. Like they're a benchmark, fine, but then it's everything else. All the books reinforce that, right? So for me, when I, what I realized through those roles was, oh, there's all these other skills to develop. But I, I had to kind of figure that out. And what I realized was there are students all over the country in these leadership roles, as you say, often who get no training, who are all reinventing the wheel, figuring it out, and then they graduate and they move on. So that was sort of one of some of the secret source around the university space was even the students who figure this out leave. And then a new crop comes in, an increasing international audience. They're not all coming from the same high schools anymore. They don't all know each other. And there was this gap, this gap of students rising up, wanting to do the right thing, wanting to volunteer, wanting to give back. And I thought there could be more done to support them. And so that's when I went in and went, okay, can I support them? Taught them the tools and techniques. Yes, that works. They got results in their personal life, professional life, on campus. And then it turned into, once I had problem solution fit, do I have product market fit? So you're right, there is a lot of coaching out there, but lots of people want to coach CEOs or young female entrepreneurs or the common kind of industries. Whereas actually on campus, there was no one doing this. And even if there was, it didn't find its way to me. So I think there's a real insight around solving a problem that you went through yourself. Absolutely. And if it didn't make it to you, if there is a solution, it didn't make it to you, it probably didn't make it to a whole bunch of people. And if you can get it to those people, then you can become really, really valuable um, all by focusing on the other. Like it's, it's falling in love with the customer. Like I, I didn't care what my, my solution originally was ridiculous. Like my first thing was like, let's start a mentoring program, which they're important, but like I didn't have the infrastructure or the technology to do any of that. Um, so it wasn't my idea. Um, the founder of Atari said, like, any fool can jump in a, in a warm shower and have a good idea. It's the person who jumps out, dries off and does something about it. Correct. And so that was mm. even a thing of, you know, the Tony 100 books a year. I read 112 in the first year and then dropped it to a book a week because I realized oh, I was just being a high achiever at reading books. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm copying my DNA. Mm-hmm. So I dropped it back and said, okay, if I'm reading this book, like, I need to apply it. Correct. Um, mm. And... Yeah, so I even drop that back down to say, mm. okay, I've learned some stuff now. Yeah. Um, how can I go and help people with it? Yeah. Mm. So in that sort of early stage where you were in those eight months before 2017, before 2018, you were just reading, you were just basically just researching, I imagine, and really doing a few case studies, I imagine. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's when the self-doubt comes in, right? So when people start a business, they go, you know, they might go and read, you know, 100 books and they go, right, I've got all these ideas now. But then when it comes to the implementation side of things, that's where people get stuck. So mm. what did you do to take the first step once you'd read and you had all this wealth of knowledge? How did you shop every day to get stuff done? Okay, so a couple of things. Like one of the big things from the data, so say Australian data startup muster reports are looking at this things that hold entrepreneurs back. A lot of it's financial. 
Right. Because it's a big financial risk. Mm -hmm. So if you can get around the self-awareness of your ego and no longer being a consultant at PwC, like if you can get over that, a big part of it's actually the change in finance and family structure. Um, So one of the things I did in those eight months, I was still working a full-time job. So I was working on the evenings, in the evenings and on the weekends and doing like a night school kind of entrepreneurship thing, Um, which startup leadership program if anyone's ever interested in that wanting to start something and actually be in a peer group they're amazing non-profit they just charge enough to pay for the dinners Um, a guy named grant runs it in australia huge mentor amazing just i met couldn't give them a bigger shout out so i had a little bit of professional support um i was working full-time to cover the finances i don't like buy stuff like, like, what am I wearing right now? So I got this shirt when I worked at Lululemon when I was traveling for two years. I bought this in 2016. Still good. Yeah, yeah. Like, pants were a gift. Mm. Undies, dare I say, were a gift. And this hat from Griffith Mates, which yeah. is weirdly like the Trump colors. So I'm getting some weird yeah. looks. Like, I got this at a talk I gave on Friday. Like you know, like, token. Yeah. So it's like, I don't buy stuff. Mm. And so that really helped because I had good habits right. around money. And so it's funny when you have good habits around money, if you apply them to your business, like the business tends to have good business habits. Like I've got no formal business training. So that was a big thing. Saving up so I had a little like nest egg so I was okay. Um, and then I, a lot of like the entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship stuff is like taking an appropriate amount of risk but doing everything you can to reduce risk. Yeah. It's like all the famous stories about Richard Branson, like getting the planes and striking up a deal with Boeing to give the planes back if it didn't work. So when I stepped into the business, I also took a role at a university working in-house in entrepreneurship education. So that was still as a contract for campus, but it was, um, it was sort of stable income. And so, and then that opened a whole new career path. So one part was the finance, locking that down. The second part was making it work after hours and weekends. Um, cause hard work's a variable. Yeah. If you're not willing to work hard, it's not going to, it's just not going to work. Yeah. It might for you, but you'd be the first one. Yeah. You know, I've just never seen that happen. Um, and then from there it was, yeah, really applying it, which for me meant, do I have problem solution fit? I added hundreds of students on Facebook, LinkedIn, looking for recommendations, just said, Hey, I just want to call you up, talk to you about your experience. I really want to learn about the problem. Um, because I think one of the challenges of scratching your own itch is in 2020, the challenges that someone had that you might've experienced five years ago are different. Yeah. So staying up to date and on top of it was a really big thing. Um, so yeah, it was like really speaking yeah. to the customers, spending lots yeah. of time and then can I solve their problem? Yeah. yeah, I think that's really, really practical advice as well because a lot of you know people who go to start their businesses like do what you love, follow your passion. And it's like, well, that's fantastic. But then a lot of people who maybe want to start their own business, they've got family, they've got people who rely on them, they've got a mortgage to pay. So it is it is ultimately getting your finances, stop wasting money, like see where you're spending your money, see mm-hmm. what's happening to your finances each month. You know, I do think that we do live in a society where we're constantly marketed to all the time and I need that to be successful and I need that new outfit if I'm going to go to that meeting. And, mm. you know, I'll be honest, I fell into that trap, you know, a few years back where I was buying things just like a buying things. But when I started my business, you know, we, we live with flatmates for six months just to help us pay the mortgage, mm-hmm. you know? So I think you've got to be prepared to do whatever it takes. And I love the fact that you've just drawn attention to finance because mm. it's so, I believe, really important. Um, so that's that's a fan, that's fantastic. And then, I, how how important do you also believe that the whole 
self-belief, like the actual wet, you've obviously got high levels of self-belief. You know, you, you come across as very confident and you, you speak really well. So have you always had that, the, the strong self-belief and the confidence? No, not at all. Mm. And so this is something I've worked on really actively in the last six months to understand it because lots of, especially young people want to say, well, how do I get confident at something I've never done? Um, and I forget the attribution, but someone said, I think it was Jim Rohn said, if I only did things that I was confident at doing, I'd be somewhere in a dark hallway, pushing a broom. There's nothing wrong with working as a janitor to push a broom. Tony Robbins was a janitor. You know, I was a cleaner in a hostel when I traveled, but I think the trap is, and this is again, where people have it backwards and I had it backwards. So no, not judgment. This is from all from lived experience. I didn't want to start a business until I knew how to start a business. And like, you don't want to ask the person out until you know, they're going to say yes or you don't want to go to the gym until you know how to work out or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it works the other way around and confidence, I believe comes from doing something. And so same with motivation, motivation and emotion come from the same root word in Latin. It means to move body first. So it's like, I use the example in workshops where I say, has anyone ever woken up in the morning and promised themselves they were going to go to the gym? They were certain about it, their belief. I believe confidence is just a feeling of certainty. So it's like you're confident if you're certain you can handle it. So, okay, you're confident, you're certain you're going to go to the gym. Yes. You wake up in the morning, it's cold and raining outside. Like zero to ten. How much do you want to go to the gym? Zero. Zero, right? <laughs> so everyone puts their hand up. Yes, I've experienced this. And whatever that is for you, right? Yoga, meditation, running, pool, whatever. You feel zero out of ten to do it. You don't, you'd say you don't have the energy to do it. Yet you get up, you make yourself, you go to the gym, you work out afterwards. If 10 is every time afterwards you feel great and zero is every time afterwards you feel terrible, where are you? Zero to 10. Well, you're a zero, aren't you? If you don't constantly. If you go. If you go, oh, if you go you're a 10. You're Absolutely, a 10, right? Yeah. So every time you wake up, mm. you don't have the energy. Mm. Every time you go, you feel better. So what that formula is, is if I have low energy, I need to do something that uses energy and I get high energy. Like that's not how conservation of energy is supposed to work, but we have it backwards. If you feel like you have no energy, if you want motivation, if you want to feel good, those emotions underneath that from like the language, you have to move. So movement first. And so when starting a business, that was, I need, like, I'm not confident starting a business, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I think for me, that comes back to the idea of as corny and cliche as it is. of If you look back on life, would I regret not doing this? And it's a little bit of that. We we're talking before we started around, are you spending more of your life in the future, the present or the past? And some people live in the past. One bad thing happened when they were 13, life's mm -hmm. over. Yeah. Every guy's in the head, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Or something bad is happening in the present right now. It's like, I couldn't possibly think about the future or, you know, I spent two years traveling in the present. You know, it was bars and clubs in nightclubs around Europe. Like that's fun for a while, Amazing. but yeah, that. <laughs> a little bit too in the present, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and some people just dream about the future the whole time and aren't in the present. So for me with the business, it was like, all right, I'm going to start this even though I'm not confident. And then once I started doing something like progress, I'm sure this is a Tony line, progress leads to happiness. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, like I've got an ABN. All right, cool. I've, I've, I've got a real ABN. It's like, okay, you know, like I need to come up with a name. Campus, campus workshops, you know, like, yeah. okay, I have a name. It's yeah. like, now I have a logo. Yeah. Now I have a website. Yeah. Now I have an email address. Yeah. You know, now I've like told the world and updated mm. my LinkedIn, you know. Yeah, that's it, it. And it's just that journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Yeah. And confidence, I don't know where, where that comes in that, but mm. it's not at the first step. No. It's, I guess, having the courage, isn't it, to start mm. and, and then building up the, that momentum. But 
I think more importantly, it was probably what I did wrong for years was that I didn't celebrate the wins. And I think that's all part of enjoying the journey. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, and I'd love your all thoughts on this, we can be so future focused and we go, this is my goal, this is where I'm going. And then you're right, you register the business. And you go, right, next. And it's just like that constant ticking off the to-do. So mm-hmm. what, what do you do to celebrate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used this line mm-hmm. once. I was running a workshop on a Tuesday randomly, but mm-hmm. this is when it came up. And someone was asking a similar question. And I was to say, okay, what if you had to think of a whole bunch of things you could be grateful for, saying that that was mm-hmm. the core? What could you be grateful for on this Tuesday? But today when we're recording this, it's a Sunday. So mm-hmm. same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go one. Let's will we play the game with me. Okay, yeah. So we'll go back and yeah. forth one and one, see how many things we can think of. Okay. So I'll say one to start off okay. with and you. Anything, Done. the littlest okay. things Love ever. Yeah. Um, I'm really grateful to be here with you today. Yeah. I'm really grateful that I got to wake up this morning and enjoy a beautiful coffee looking out on my balcony. Beautiful. I'm grateful that it's sunny. I'm grateful that I'm warm. I'm grateful that there's a lovely fan on, there's a cool breeze. Yeah. I'm grateful that I live in the Gold Coast 10 minutes from the beautiful beach. I'm grateful that I'm visiting the Gold Coast and live in Melbourne. I'm grateful that I'm doing this right now and living out my purpose and passion. There you go. I'm grateful that I have an event tomorrow that I know where I need to be, when I need to be there, and I believe I'm prepared. Give me one more. I'm grateful that I have got fresh cold water to drink right now because it's Hot. Cool. Yeah. So there's 10 things, right? Mm. You find what you focus on. So we've got a whole bunch of things we could be grateful for. And so if those amazing things, let alone we live in the best time ever in Australia, it's safe, there's clean water. I mean, whatever it is, nearly a billion people on the planet don't have clean water. So as a charity, I do a little bit of work with Charity Water who are like working in that space, right? And so I get the monthly emails contributing to that about where they are and what they're working on and all that sort of stuff. So like clean water. Like people walking hours a day just to have what we get from the tap. And so the point about the Tuesday or say on this Sunday, what I was reflecting on was if we can't be grateful for what we have now, why would we get anything more? I think life has a habit of giving us more when we've proven that we can show that we can handle it. It's like in a relationship, like you date someone and it's like, okay, if they can kind of handle me, my good and my crazy, like maybe I'll get more serious. But if they start to like, go the other direction you pull back because you're like oh they're not serious Mm. well i think there's something weird out there with whether that's a new client or that's just life in the universe or god or whatever you want to call it we'll only put on your plate what you can handle and it's like up to us to figure out okay well what's good about this and for me in terms of celebrating that it's life is just a bunch of sundays so like if today's not good it's like tomorrow we're going to find something wrong there the next day i'll find something wrong the next day i'll find something wrong and so looking for the good in everything, and I do a little like gratitude practice in the morning. It's a tactic, but I do it in the shower, like two hands over the heart. Think of as many things as I can that I'm grateful for. One's always the weather. Yeah. So I like find something that's great about the fact that it's cold, rainy and wet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy my hot coffee yeah. even more than if it was sunny. Beautiful. You know? And so with that, I'm like, I'm celebrating in the moment. So that does the presentness. And the second bit, a little bit more tactical is I schedule it in the calendar. Like what gets scheduled gets done for me. So... I was leaning in my first year of the business to, you know, can I pay the rent? So if I, if someone was like, we will, we would love for you to come here and it is a gig and it's on a Saturday. Like I was there, the flight was booked. Um, but my partner who's moved from Canada and we live in Melbourne, I was like, huh, being away for 11 weeks is not the most considerate thing, you know? So now it's scheduling those in, scheduling dinner, scheduling self-care, um, finding little ways to celebrate mm. all sorts of things. Mm. 
but on that, just scheduling, because <laughs> that doesn't sound like what people go, oh, that doesn't sound very sexy. You know, you scheduling a date night, scheduling in this and that. I'm like, but rather that than it just doesn't get done. You mm-hmm. know, when you've got multiple things that you're trying to work on and multiple businesses, my diary is my boss. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I honestly think that it's like if it's in the diary, it's happening and it holds me accountable. Mm-hmm. So what in terms of time management, mm-hmm. I think as an entrepreneur, business owner, time management is really, really crucial to success. So do you plan it the night before, weekly? How do you go about planning your, your day in your week? Yeah, I totally live off my calendar and Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, so really practically, like who has more time? You, me, Kyle, Oprah or Elon Musk? Who's got more time in the day? Well, probably us compared to Edgar and Oprah. Oh, no, actually, sorry, I apologize. That's the, that's the misconception. We all have equal amounts of time. Bingo. Absolutely. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. So we've got 24 hours a day or what I say mm. to students, 168 hours a week. Mm. So like for yourself, I can ask, how many hours of sleep is a good night's sleep for you? Like ideal. Seven hours. Seven hours yeah. is good. Amazing, right? Mm. So seven, sevens are 49. So that gives you 119 hours in the week. No one spends 119 hours well. No. So with students, a big thing, it's like a... Uh, Peter Drucker concept of like you can't manage what you don't measure so one of the things I do with students is I drew, draw this big rectangle on the board and I say okay who's not sleeping enough every hand goes up right because that's the easy thing it's easy just to sacrifice sleep it's just hurting you in every way so I draw up okay 49 hours of sleep or if it's eight hours a night it's 56 that still gives you 112 hours so okay okay I'll cross off 56 or 49 hours on the bar what else class work eating gym meditating like put it all up there there's always time left for almost everybody. Like I have some friends who are single mums who have three kids who work full time and run a business and God knows how they do it. Right. Still free time. Like they find it, you make the time. And so for some people, I understand in extreme circumstances, that's not possible for, for the gross majority it is. So the first thing I do is I say, okay, for this next week, go and measure where you spend your time because Netflix and Instagram expand to fill the time that we don't schedule. You know? And if like you wanna have you wanna have a romantic date night out, put it in the calendar. You don't have to say from six forty three until seven twelve we yeah. will dine, you know? <laughs> and at seven fourteen we'll look into each other's eyes. Yeah. But you might say, Tuesday night, from six till bed, you have my full attention. And like with with me something that's I don't see my calendar as a jail. I see it as something that frees me. So for instance, I'm really big at scheduling. I love in the middle of the day to watch like half an hour of YouTube because like I might just watch something motivating or I might watch someone who I've never heard before or I might watch a TED talk or something like that. Just like to give you that little like motivational kick. But I'll do that two or three times a week and guilt-free because it's in my calendar. Yeah. It's like I can sit back and watch a Gary Vaynerchuk Mm -hmm. keynote where he says the same thing I've heard him say a (laughs) hundred times, but I still think it's gold. Yeah. And yeah. like, I enjoy it. It pumps me up yeah. at one o'clock till two on a Wednesday because I've done my most important things and this is part of my process. Yeah. I think I love, and I love that as well. I think a lot of people are busy being busy and I definitely used to be one of those people when I had my corporate career and I didn't used to plan. I didn't used to map up my day and, you know, I would always complain that there wasn't enough time in the day. But then when I actually look back and think about all the things that I used to do, it was probably time spent doing the wrong activity. Mm-hmm. So I, there was a quote, um, and I can't remember where I heard this from, but someone said to me recently, um, focus is more important than intelligence. 
you know, so if you've got high levels of focus and you come in every day and you know exactly what you're doing Mm -hmm. and why you're doing it, Mm -hmm. you are going to be far more productive. So I think that, yeah, writing out your day and scheduling it. And I love what you do on your calendars. I like pen and paper. I don't know why for me, that's just really traditional. But, um, I just think having it scheduled in is is so important. Yeah. So especially when you're starting a business. For sure. And it lets you do analytics. So this mm. was this is probably the kicker. This is where I try to look at everything as a circle rather than a straight line. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot that can be taken from like more Eastern philosophy and religion and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So on a yin and a yang, I think like I talk about emotional intelligence and empathy all day, but I'm also a civil engineer, like concrete and steel. Like that's what I was trained in. And well, that's a skill set I have. And so those two things go really well together. So in engineering, there's this concept of a time and motion study. So if you're on a construction site and say there's three machines and five guys and they need to achieve a certain task, then you track how long it takes them to do everything. Simpler example might be think of a, a cheeseburger being made in McDonald's. How long does it take to toast the bun? How long does it take to cook the patty? How long does it take to apply the sauce? How long does it take to wrap it? How long does it take to serve to the customer? So there's six, seven, eight distinct tasks, end-to-end, maybe that's a minute. But if all of a sudden you find out that, oh, we've run out of the patties, we didn't prepare them early enough, they take three minutes to cook, so there's this three-minute delay. So all the burgers now take four minutes. If you realize that, you can go, oh, okay, well, what if we pre-cooked enough cheeseburgers so that they were hot off the grill the second they were ordered based on last week's orders at this time on this day, then we could cut that time down. How does that help the business? Quicker food equals happier customer. Happier customer equals higher retention and spend. Mm-hmm. So with my calendar, it, you can only manage what you measure. But the key is you have to manage it. There's no point measuring something and not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to lose weight. I'll jump on the scales every week. Every week it tells me I'm fat. Well, it's like you're not managing it. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're doing the same. Get, yeah. Do the same thing, get the same mm-hmm. results. Mm-hmm. So for me, the managing part is, especially when I was early, I'd look back on my calendar and go, okay, One, just gut feeling zero to five at the end of the week. Like, how happy am I? That's what I'm really optimizing for. If I'm burnt out and stressed, I've done too much or too little. Something's wrong. But if I feel good, I'm like, okay, I don't know what the balance is, but I've kind of got it right. Um, And then as I went further on, I started to make some changes. So I broke my business down into four buckets. I design workshops, I present workshops, I sell workshops, and I give. So it's running workshops. I design them, I present them, I sell them, and I give. Give is all the pro bono stuff. The other three are pretty self-explanatory. But, okay, so let's look at my week. If I'm going to work, say I work nine to five, so we're going to put in 40 hours. Am I doing 10 of each? Am I doing, yep, that adds up. Am I doing 15, 15, five, five? Like what's the split? And is that intentional? Um, and this was one of the things I learned from a previous job when I went through a year's worth of timesheets for 25 casual employees and assessed line by line because I had to track their hours by the hour, a year for 25 employees, how they spent their time. I broke them into categories, mapped them against performance and realized, oh, people who spend more time doing this, that drives business results. Wow. So yeah. it's like finding the vital mm. behaviors. And so in the business, I thought, okay, many entrepreneurs who do the sales thing, especially if they're solo entrepreneur, will know this. You wake up on week two, you go to your email, Monday morning, you're pumped, you got your coffee, you hit refresh, there's no emails. You're like, okay, what do I do now? So I was like, ah, my calendar doesn't get full of meetings unless I schedule meetings the weeks before. So in Google, for instance, purple for me are meetings, which meetings are often to look at future work or future opportunities. So that falls in like the sales bucket. Yellow in my calendar is design time. Like I'll sit in a room, pull the curtains, get a big pot of coffee, 
blank PowerPoint. I was doing it in a cafe this morning and I'll design workshops. Uh, what actually drives the business or the impact is presenting. So that's red in my calendar. Um, and then I put in travel and exercise and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of a given week, I can say, okay, let's look at those four buckets. How many hours did I spend in each? How many hours did I waste? Um, and that's just in a professional setting. Um, and is the business going forward? So I have my key metrics around sales, number of workshops, number of students, and number of results captured. And so I can say, okay, in a week, how did, did I hit those numbers? If not, why not? And next week, what do I need to do more of? Um, and sometimes, you know, a good week is when you exceed all of them and you pat yourself on the back. Um, but a bad week when, not necessarily a bad week, a week where I didn't hit my somewhat arbitrary goals, um, there's still a million things. Like I've got two arms and two legs. Yeah, that's it. You know, I'm mm. alive. I have a partner who's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So and, it's. Mm. And that, what you just said there, right, that's pure, that's self-awareness at its best. <laughs> so you know exactly the activities that you need to do, the things you need to work on to move you forward in life, right? Mm -hmm. So you've recently done a TED Talk that I listened to and I think it's incredible. So I encourage everybody to go and listen to it. Thank you. Um, and there were just so many takeaways from that. So I just want to get into that because as you just said, leadership is service and your number one on the service was self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So... Let's touch upon that because I think self-awareness, it all starts with self-awareness. So how do you, how did you go about developing your own self-awareness? Obviously you read, you traveled. Was there anything else that was really crucial for that? Yeah. So for me personally, it, step one was realizing things weren't going the way I wanted them to go. So I'm a big believer that I in service was like an internal locus of control, which means I'm responsible for making my life better. I'm responsible for figuring out what needs to change and taking the, using the courage and bravery to, to change it and make those steps. Um, it's a Jungian idea as well, but he says that which you most need to found will be found where you least want to look. Wow. So for me, it was going, okay, whole bunch of relationships have failed for the same reason. Could I be the problem here? You know, okay, I keep leaving jobs for the same reason. I butt heads with the leader. Could I be the problem here? You know, or I'm traveling, I'm in this beautiful place, but the bus is late or that something's happened and I'm frustrated. Like, ah, maybe I'm not as in control of my emotions as I thought. And so a lot of it was going, okay, maybe the challenge is like within me that I haven't confronted and dealt with and starting to be really honest with myself about that and leaning into the feelings enough to acknowledge them um, and not sitting on them. So say a really tangible example of that was, when I was traveling through Europe and I think I told the story in the Ted talk and about nine months into two years of travel. And this was really the kicker. Like I was working as an engineer. It was like, Oh, something's not right. I'm going to leave like big environmental change. Like go on an adventure, the whole hero's journey thing. I did kind of that nine months in traveling through Europe. And I was at a refugee camp um, between Macedonia and Serbia. Saw thousands of people within one night. Um, you spoke about um, coincidences before I was in a bus stop in Istanbul in Turkey waiting for a bus. One other person was sitting in the bus stop. I'd been by myself for two weeks. I was like, I need to talk to a human who spoke English. Went over, this guy was German, but spoke English. And I was like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going here. Same bus of hundreds of buses happened to be on the same bus. And I said, oh, why are you going there up in, um, oh, I forget even the country, not Bosnia, somewhere, it doesn't matter. And we, 
were talking about where he was going and he said, oh, I've got, he pulled out his phone and he had GPS coordinates in his phone. And he said, I'm going here. And I was like, that's a bunch of numbers. Like, what, what is that? And he said, oh, it's a refugee border crossing um, that I heard about because this is 2015 peak of the Syrian refugee movement. And he said, I'm going here and I'm going to volunteer and I'm going to help and do something about it. And I thought, wow, that's like, that's amazing. Like, can I come with you? And he's like, sure. So like, you know, what did I do to get that in my life? You know, I just gallivanted around the world for nine months and drank a whole bunch of beer, yeah. was lonely and decided to talk to someone. Yeah. But he then had this opportunity. I went along life-changing like in this refugee camps or thousands of people in one night and just realized a whole bunch of things of like that. I could help people with no skills because up until then school and university had be like, you, again, I think we've got it backwards. You get really skilled and then you do good. And I was like, I got there. They didn't speak English. They pointed at me, pointed at the table on the table was bread and water and milk just for the mums and the babies. And as the refugees came across, they signaled, like they pointed at the bread and then pointed at the refugees. And like, it was like, you give bread to the refugees. Very simple, you know, but like that was service. Yeah. And I was helping people. I didn't need an engineering degree to do that. There were kids there, like up to my waist, who were doing as much good, potentially more good, because it was a game for them in the best possible way. They were doing the same amount of good as I was. They didn't have an engineering degree. They weren't all smug. They hadn't traveled around the world. They weren't worldly, you know, like they were a kid doing a good thing. And so in that moment, I was like, wow, like, I can help play a small part in helping thousands of people in a single night. And I was like, okay, well, what would it look like if that became a core part of my identity? That was like, I'm the person who serves others. And like, I'm not a religious person, but if you go back through all the religious texts, all of it is look inwards, the answers are within, and it's all about service. It's like you grow up from a child where you're defenseless into an adult. And I think the whole metaphor, say, in the Christian religion of like, being on the cross and bearing the cross and carrying it up the hill is something has to go. Like something has to change for things to change. And I think you get to decide whether you're willing to sacrifice others for your gain or yourself for the gain of others. And I think that's a metaphor of the cross. It's like, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you in a dramatic fashion. And so for me, it became, okay, well, what if it became about helping others first and I'll see if that makes me happy after. Not, I'll get happy and skilled and a whole bunch of money and then I'll do good. And it just so happens that for me at least, and what all the books preach is if you help other people, if you add a bunch of value, then you find fulfillment. And gratitude and giving comes before happiness, not the other way around. And I completely agree with you there. One thing I also would like to ask you as well, how important do you also think though, so... They, they always say on an airplane, put the oxygen mask on you first, mm-hmm. right? So I, I believe that leadership absolutely is service. But what I also believe is that we also have to make sure that we are in the right mindset and we're healthy to serve. Big time. So what what's your thoughts on that? So good. So I mentioned that a group came in and facilitated when I was on the construction site. They're a mental health group because a young guy, 19, took his own life. Came in, bunch of blokes sitting around a room. Again, predominantly blokes in the industry, literally wearing physical armor, let alone the emotional armor. They were like, we're here to talk about feelings. And all the blokes were like, sat back in their chair, across their arms, like, no, we're not, you know? But these, they were pros and they got through and they were amazing. Yeah. One of the frameworks they gave us is the seventh habit of Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. Um, they didn't say that, but I later found out. I was like, oh, that's where that comes from. 
Um, and it was the four buckets of energy. So sharpen the saw first, right? So it was looking at, do you have the energy to, to thrive in life on a physical basis, a mental basis, which is like your capacity to solve problems, not necessarily mental health, emotional, do you have energy for relationships and spiritual, which means largely around gratitude and the work I guess we both do. And on that day when they ran that workshop, moment in time exercise, I'm doing it tomorrow with students years later. And, I, and it's, you know, zero to 10, rate yourself, how high are your buckets? So the idea is like you can't pour from an empty cup. It's kind of the yeah, bucket metaphor. And I remember, I can't remember the numbers that were high at the time. This is a quirk of my personality, but I remember the problem and I was a four on the emotional energy. The, do I have the energy for my relationships? And it was like, no, because I'm doing something I don't, I'm not passionate about. I'm coming home at the end of the day exhausted. I'm leaving home at 5 a.m., which means I have to, I need eight or nine hours sleep. So I needed to be at bed at whatever that works out to be, eight or nine o'clock at night. I'm not getting home till 6.30. And for the physical bucket, if I exercise, I don't get home till 7.30. So even if I wanted to cook, I've got an hour window at night working these ridiculous days, five, six days a week. And I was like, I don't want this. So the self-awareness I think there came from and looking internally was me realizing, oh, I actually have an issue here. Like I chose to work for this company. I choose to exercise. I choose to cook. But the sum of my choices is leading me down a path that I don't think is very sustainable. And when we saw, you know, dramatic style that the young man take his life and all these, we started reading about the statistics in divorce and in people living paycheck to paycheck, even though they're earning tons of money, mental health, suicide, these rates were just through the roof. People had tons of money. On paper, it looked great. Biggest construction company in Australia working on Sydney Harbour, iconic award-winning project. Yet not everyone but myself and a couple others like were really unwell in all these categories. So for me, it was like, okay, there's a problem. The problem's inside me. And so like that, the thing you need to find is where you least want to look. I was like, okay, I need to look inside. And some of their tools were like, it was like applying a scalpel. Like you could just dig into like what these problems were that I'd never had the language to talk about. Like I didn't hear the word emotional intelligence at uni once. My fault. I chose that degree. I enrolled, but I didn't know what I was looking for. And so I think where we're in this amazing time in history now is when we want to, if you listen to this and you go, okay, I should develop some self-awareness, like Google self-awareness, read the first page of Google, read the source material, go to TED Talks, type in self-awareness, emotional intelligence, watch 10 TED Talks, go to podcasts, free app on the iPhone, go to a library, free Wi-Fi, type in self-awareness in the pod, like whatever your medium is, the information is now accessible and where I sort of see myself as a facilitator is in connecting this wisdom that we've known for thousands of years to people who might not necessarily want to read a hundred books a year. Um, and there's this idea of, I think where without stringing too many thoughts together, the idea where I see my role is I'm not the well of wisdom. And this is where I've, I've managed to cut my ego down of like, if I stand in front of a group, I say something that they've never heard before, like that facilitator in the room who said the four buckets, I held that person up on a pe like a pedestal um, and I thought they were so amazing and they were, but they were passing on the wisdom. They were the cup pouring the wisdom. They just dipped into the well. So I see myself as that cup. So I dip into all these wells, the books, the TED Talks, the conversations, the people like yourself. I learn all these great things and then my job is to make it entertaining and engaging and I package it up and then I just like pour it out. But the audience only sees you. So they think you're the well. 
So I'm the first one to get up in front of them and say, like, I've made all the mistakes and I'm here to tell you what I've learned so you can make different mistakes. Um, But I take this from Jordan Peterson. He says he sees himself, he picks a chair every time he presents, sees himself there. It's like an NLP thing. And he says the number one person in the room who needs to learn what I'm saying is me. Wow, yeah. And so for me, I always do that. I pick a chair, no matter what, if the room's full, I'll drag in a chair. And I'll pick that chair, I'll see myself there. And I'm like, Josh, today, you're talking about empathy. You need to learn this. Like this is, and the more I teach myself, I think the better I become, the more I fill out my cup, the more I have to give. Yeah, I completely agree. And isn't it interesting how the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know? 100%. (laughs) Which is quite scary. It's those paradoxes again, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. So let's let's sort of, um, I guess, for our listeners now, so they want to improve their leadership skills and I know that there's no sort of quick fix here right? we're always looking in a society give me five steps for this and get get fit and quick and all yep. this sort of stuff but what do you think at, so if you if you were saying to somebody today listening to this who wants to be a better leader what would you say start here do mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. what would you say Gosh, there's so many different ideas. So what it will get what I will get to here is it's about action. So Gary Vee says you can't read about doing push-ups. You know, we talked about getting fit and healthy. Getting fit and healthy is easy. Yeah. Eat well, exercise. Yeah. That's it. It's a trillion dollar industry. It's like, why don't people do that? So for me, it is, and there's, again, hence why the Tonys run five-day events on exactly this, because it's, it's not simple. But a starting point, often the money thing throws people. I'll do good when. Easy for you to say you have finances, right? We're starting the business. I didn't, didn't have a dollar. You know, like no capital investment, none of that. Like didn't have a dollar. So the technique I give students and which might help is imagine I gave you, you right now listening to this. And if you're still listening this far, send me a message and say you got here and I'm, I'm pumped for you. I appreciate it. Imagine I gave you a billion dollars, billion dollars or a trillion dollars, however much you need, like blow money out of the equation. Two rules. Rule number one, you can pay yourself whatever you want. So great. You're, you are fully taken care of. Rule number two you can't sit on a drink, beach and drink margaritas. Because like, trust me, I tried. I was in Portugal and I drank margaritas on the beach every day. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're reading these books, if you go to the seminars, you're wanting more. You're wanting something else. You will be bored out of your brain sitting down on a beach and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. So you can't do that. That's the second rule. You have to work at it. So whether this is the, the premise I'm saying is you work 40 hours a week, you still work your nine to five, but you can have 10 weeks off a year, but you still have to work at something. So you pay yourself whatever you want. You've got a billion dollars or whatever's left to spend on any cause in the world. You actually have to work though. What's the problem you want to solve? What's, and so easy way to think about that. Go to the news. The news is full of problems in the world, some of which are true. Find the number one thing that pisses you off. Are you annoyed about bushfires are you annoyed about plastic straws are you annoyed about the fashion industry are you annoyed about factory farming like what's the thing you complain about is it your boss well maybe you care about leadership and helping people is it your cheating husband okay well maybe you help about help people who are recovering from adulterous relationships you know whatever annoys you there's an emotional reaction there like if something bugs you frustrates you gets your attention then i think that's saying something or the flip of it is you might think back to something in childhood you loved before the world told you you couldn't be that. Go after that. Mm-hmm. So either something that's sort of like pleasurable, fun, something you never thought you could ever be paid to do. Well, what if you were paid a million dollars a year to do it? Or what's a problem that you really want to solve in the world? Mm-hmm. 
So on the pleasure and pain, pick one of those and do something about that today. So whether that's read an article about it, go volunteer somewhere, Google it, find a company that pops up, send them a cold email. Hey, I really care about this issue. I landed on your website. Would love to know more. And just take some step in the direction of pursuing something that you actually care about. Because the data, 2019 Gallup data, says 13% of Australian workers either love or are passionate about what they do. Wow. 87% are neutral or negative. That's scary. Massive, right? Mm -hmm. So, and the way I think about this, go to a train station on Monday morning. Friday Mm -hmm. doesn't work because people are pumped. Yes, it's the weekend. Go to Monday morning, Mm -hmm. go to a train station with a clicker, count 100 people, click it every time you see a smile. Because most people Mm -hmm. are frowning or they're looking like they're just being dragged to work. Yeah. You know, if you actually hit 13, I actually think that's an overestimate. But like most people don't like what they do. What we're doing doesn't work. Or what we're doing isn't working. What most people are doing isn't working. And if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So it's like we need to change. And a lot of these tenets are in these spiritual practices or even sort of the pseudo spiritual around like Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous. It's like step one of AA is you've got to admit you have a problem and you're helpless to do anything about it alone. And so it's that self-awareness of going, okay, there's a problem. The problem could be in me. Maybe I need to start there before I criticize the world. But if you're going to pick a problem in society, like, okay, great. That's an issue. Awesome. Who's already working in that space? Can I help them? Can I volunteer? Like, could my skills be helpful? So if you're an accountant or a business person or a communications major, a marketing major, there are nonprofits and social enterprises, corporate social responsibility arms of PwC and everyone else who focus on social issues. So maybe go be an accountant for them or be a marketer for them and not something you actively disbelieve in. I think for me, the internal conflict came from a Gandhi quote, which I always butcher. He says like happiness and fulfillment comes from when what you believe, say and do are in alignment. And so I had to work on my beliefs, right? Because I was saying, also, I was like loud mouth in the middle saying stuff, some of which I would back up. I didn't know what my beliefs were. I wasn't certain about anything. So I was like, oh, I need to work on that top layer. Okay, now that I've got a framework, what am I going to say to the world? I'm going to say that I think this stuff is true. And some of it's resonating. I'm like, okay, if it resonates, they're going to give me a chance to do it. And then the feedback loop of those going back into either confirming my beliefs or challenging my beliefs um, has helped me kind of grow. So I think if you're totally stuck, find something that annoys you, find something that bugs you in the world, try to do something to help someone who suffers that problem or learn about it, read a book, volunteer, do something. Um, get around other people who are doing it. Um, and that's the first step, that journey of a thousand steps. And then if you do that, you know, it's February now, depending on when this goes live, if you look at March or April, 30, 31 days, do 30 or 31 things that progress you even a tiny bit towards that direction. You know, fix up the resume, apply for three jobs, find some companies, go have some coffees, read a book, watch a TED Talk, listen to a podcast. That's seven. Do that for four weeks. You could have a couple of job interviews. You've learned some things. Like life can change like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. So it's so practical. So basically take action and then work hard in whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. Um, Josh, I could literally sit here and talk to you all day. <laughs> but fun. I'm also conscious of, of time. So And your time as well. Um, so one question I'd just like to ask all of my guests is, um, and maybe this is just a beautiful way just to, to round off everything we've been talking about. What does success look like to you? That's a good question. Um, let me have a think. 
What does it look like? I always come back to the reason I started and I think I enjoy campus so much is it makes me a better person. I'm the best version of myself when I'm speaking to students and I'm on a weirdly on a stage because there's like a, a there's a feedback mechanism for my bullshit, you know? Like if I lie or say something incorrect, I can see the faces. So I've got to know the sources. I've got to I've got to know that it's accurate, you know? I'll go to the root of so I think for me it's it's trying to become a better person because I think if I become a better person, then at least I've looked after me. And if I can look after me and I'm happy and fulfilled and then I can help others in the process, I think that's even better. But one of the worries I have of where like we want to have an impact comes up in the lexicon in our sort of society is having an impact can't if having an impact is the route to happiness, I think that's dangerously close to money is the way to happiness. You know, it's like I've got to achieve something else versus even though I believe to lead is service, I think you need to, for me, I need to lead myself first, get to know myself, know what I need, challenge my own beliefs. Um, and so I think success for me is being able to challenge everything, including what I think and believe, become a happier and more fulfilled person inside and then let that out. And I think that's one of the things that we see, especially in celebrity culture, like all the way back to Virginia Woolf, Marilyn, Marilyn Manson, Marilyn Monroe, up to the lead singer from Linkin Park, to Avicii, to Robin Williams, to, I mean, I think it was January, I don't know, this year or last year, uh, but it was actually as an Australian model and she was an ambassador for Are You OK? I think her name was Annabelle, I can't exactly remember. She was an ambassador for Are You OK? All these people, the blue check Twitter, if Marilyn Monroe had Twitter, you know, the blue check, followers, money, fame, and maybe that's one of the common themes, but I think just because we hear about it, like on paper, everything looked awesome, but we don't live on paper. Like we're emotional, irrational creatures. And all of those people ended their lives. And it's a concept that I'm sure it comes from a Tony thing. It's been such a big influence, but like things can change in an instant. And for me, I had a pattern of waiting for life to sideswipe me like wait for the toothache before you go to the dentist, very reactive, like something massive happened that shook my world versus me constantly saying every single day, how do I get better? Is this right? Am I going down the right pathway? Is leadership really service? Could it be something else? Is that too simplistic? And it's all the internal work. So hopefully I can get to a point where there's enough goodness inside that it just, it just kind of comes out. You know, when you meet those people, you're like, you've actually, you know, they've got it. And, and that for me, I think is a lifetime worth of work too. I think you never, like it's a Buddhist concept of like if you find the enlightened one on the path, kill him for like for he does not exist. You know, like you can never get there, but it's aspirational. And so it's, as I strive kind of towards that, I'm very conscious of, you know, it's, it's not the, it's not going to be financial success. That's the key. It's not going to be number of people in an audience. It's not going to be number of views on a TED talk. But like when I put my head on the pillow at night, like, am I happy? And did I say and do what really aligns with my beliefs? Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow try to get better yeah. and keep circling around. So it's, it's who you're becoming in the journey, really. That's, that's, that's how I would interpret that, which I think is mm -hmm. amazing and beautiful. So thank you so much. I, like I said, I could be here all day. Um, you've got so much 
knowledge and wisdom to share and you are definitely somebody who is walking their talk you know like you 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 can feel it. Hmm. Um, so it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, we'll have to do a follow-up because there's just so many more things that I could ask you and get into, but but I won't because we're short on time. But thank you. And for anyone listening, go and check this guy out. Where can we find you? Where's the best place to go? Yeah, definitely. LinkedIn's where I'm noisiest. Mm-hmm. So if you type in Josh Farr, F for Fred, mm-hmm. A-R-R, send me a connection request. Um, I'll definitely accept and say hello. Mm-hmm. Say you heard about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, people always say I'd love to know what resonated with you. And I think... One of those things I'd love to challenge you is how did you go and apply this? How did you use it? Even if it's what's one nice thing you did for anyone except yourself today. And God forbid, like do one nice thing for yourself today. So there's two pieces of homework, but what are they? And, and yeah, if I hear that, that's, I call those moments tens. Like when someone says, Oh, you said this thing and my life is this tiny bit better. I'm like, that's as good as life gets that moment. I agree. So if you can DM me with a little 10, small as it is, that'd, that'd be the biggest reward definitely do that guys Mm. right wonderful thank you so much that's wrap and i'll see you again soon thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the mind to do podcast if you enjoyed it please share it with at least one of your friends and please leave a comment please like this podcast it would mean the world to me let's connect i'm on linkedin i'm on instagram georgie hubbard on linkedin georgie l hubbard on instagram i hope you have a beautiful day i look forward to bringing you lots more content lots more value and i look forward to speaking to you again soon 